This episode of Literary Treks is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPad, and iPod, Android, Kindle, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Literary Treks, our dedicated Star Trek books and comics show. I'm Christopher Jones, and joining me this week, once again, as he always is, but especially happy this week, coming off of his weekend in Dallas, where he got to meet Karen Gillan. It's Matthew Rushing. Matthew. Anyone who has seen your Twitter stream this week and uh, clicked to look at your avatar a bit larger just knows how big your smile is. Chris, it was so much fun. I, we, uh, A friend of mine and I went, and uh, she is the person who actually got me to watch Doctor Who in the first place. And so she is a big fan as well. And so both of us, uh, you know, obviously paying to get our picture taken with Karen was so much fun we had the best time and i'm pretty sure that we both came out of there and just looked at each other afterwards and we're jumping up and down you know <laughs> oh my god it was just yeah uh and she really was the nicest person ever um and so that was really neat too uh, actually got to see her in a Q&A with Sylvester McCoy, one of the previous doctors, and they were fantastic together. She did so much fun. We had a really great time. Um, so yeah, it was it was so much, um, it was such a good experience. Uh, and so I was really glad I got to go. You know, unfortunately, as I heard you and Char talking about on the Ready Room, I, I, I actually did miss the uh, Star Trek Continues premiere, which I was disappointed. I was in a swag line that was pretty long. And unfortunately, yeah. uh, you know, it was like halfway, you know, in the line. I was like, I'm not getting out of this line uh, to, you know. So that was disappointing. Um, also, uh, I was uh, kind of kicking myself because I I just missed the opportunity to to hear Carl Urban um, I got there just a little bit too late on Sunday, and the place was like, it was that you know, you know, you see those things where where things are just so squished, you know, like you squish something in your hands, it's like coming through. That's how it looked like yeah. with people, but in that room to see Carl Urban, and so unfortunately got to I missed that as well. But well, it's too bad you missed that because after our discussion last week, I know you were wanting to see him up close so you could picture him with long hair to see how he compared to the female counterpart of Dr. McCoy from the comic that we discussed last week. You know, I did, but I, I was, I didn't get to do that. So instead I just was on the convention floor, you know, where everybody's selling things. And I, I just saw some pictures of Carl Urban. 
I kind of pictured him with longer hair, and I and I felt yeah. like that the comic had done a pretty good job of of getting a female version of Carl Urban. So, um, all right, yeah, well, that works. <laughs> all right, well, let's jump into the show here. We just have one news item today. We're going to kick off the show with our segment judge a book by its cover we need theme music for this don't we matthew yeah we really do it's gonna like i don't know i what i judge a book yeah by its cover we judge a book by its cover we judge a book by its cover because that's the only way i know that's the only way i'll read it all right, so Matthew, whose book are we judging by its cover this week? Uh, this week, we're judging a book by its cover, and it is John Jackson Miller's newest Titan book, which, exciting for him, his his first Star Trek book as well. So, welcome to Star Trek, Mr. Miller. And uh, this is his, his uh, e-novella that he's got, Absent Enemies, that's going to be focusing on, on Riker and his crew there on the Titan. Uh, and, well... It's the Titan on the front um, with the classic Titan uh, cover as well with the, the big Titan letters up the side. Which looks a lot like the Titan comics, right? Uh, I think it does. I'm trying to remember what the yeah. Titan comics. But this yeah, is the Titan just, comics do have mm-hmm. this down the side. But the very mm. the, the first, first run of Titan books, the first few of them, this is what they look like. Um, as well and so okay and it's just a picture of the titan so uh, uh, flying away from earth it looks like so the first thought is that because this is an e-novella they're trying to save money you know they're not going to be printing it and so they don't want to actually commission new artwork just you know complex artwork for the cover however that might not be it what's the title of the book again absent enemies you would expect to see the enemies on the cover they're not there. That's right. You just have the Titan. Um, and unfortunately, yeah. the Titan is not Tobias's beautiful render uh, that they had on Poison Chalice uh, for mm-hmm. uh, James Swallow's book. This is much more uh, like, um, you know, just a generic model of the Titan. So, which is disappointing. Yeah, it's just like a, it's almost like a comic illustration. Yes. Right. It, versus the more photorealistic. It, yep. Exactly. So, other, yeah. um, but, yeah. you know, great. It's still uh, not a bad cover. It's not a bad shot um, of the Titan itself. It's 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 actually a nice beauty shot. It looks good. And yeah. so yeah. it just makes me excited to read this book. So uh, and then it comes out in a couple of weeks. So I'm, I'm glad that we'll be getting it and, and that'll be fun to dive into and then get a chance to talk to, to John. What if you get to the end of it and nothing really happens and the enemies never show up? They're just absent for the whole story. Huh. That's that is a tough thing. I mean, I don't know if if there's absolutely no enemies in the book. Maybe it's about um just our Titan characters. Then who knows? Uh, and so, or maybe it's they seem like they're absent, but they're not. They're just hiding. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. that could be it. so. Like the Triple King. From way back, early days of the Ready Room, the Triple King is actually Shatner's toupee. Yeah, yeah, that something it was like on that. his head the whole time. Mm-hmm, he saw exactly. everything that happened on the ship. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that's the only thing we have today in um, in news. And before we jump into the feature, we're going to talk about IDW's Spock Reflections comic. I'd like to tell you about our sponsor for today's show, Audible.com. 
Audible is the premier source for audiobooks online. They have more than 150,000 titles for you to choose from, and they're adding new titles every week, especially as new books come out. Unfortunately, not new Star Trek books, but, but most books that come out these days, they have an audio version that comes out at the same time as the hardcover or the paperback if the book is not going to be in hardcover at all. And you can grab those on Audible, and it's a great way to read more new material without having to have all the time to sit down and read because it's you know really hard for most of us these days to set aside the amount of time for reading that we would like to have. But they do have a lot of Star Trek books on there. And uh, today, because we're going to talk about Spock Reflections, I wanted to recommend the Vulcan Soul Trilogy. They have Exodus, the first book in the Vulcan Soul Trilogy, on there. And uh, that is written by Joseph uh, Sherman and Susan Schwartz. It's narrated by Boyd Gaines. And uh, it's a great way for you to jump in uh, deeper into the Spock story and the Balkan story. Yeah, and those were good books too as well. So I, I enjoyed those. It's been so long since I've read them. So you would have to bear with me. I, I, I Yeah, it, it's been years. Um, and so... But yeah. Um, yeah, that's a great series, Chris. I, I'm glad you chose that one. I think people would like it. And the great thing is, is uh, it's something that even if you don't stay with Audible, you still get to keep the book for free. So um, nothing better than having a, a great Star Trek audiobook in your library. Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of these Star Trek books are abridged. And one thing I like, like you said, you haven't read this in a long time. Mm-hmm. I like to go back to books that I read a long time ago and then just listen to even the abridged version because it just refreshes my memory. I can enjoy the story that way as well, and I like hearing it narrated. So, um, yeah, as Matthew said, you can you get a free audio book of your choice, and you can keep it if you decide not to stick with Audible after the trial. But you're going you're gonna to want to stick with Audible. If you're listening to this podcast, you're definitely going to want to stick with Audible. And the way you get this free book is just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up. Choose the book and uh, you get a 30-day trial. And um, doing so helps us bring literary treks to you every week because uh, Audible is a sponsor and they help us you know, pay for all the costs associated with bringing the show to you. So again, go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm choose a Vulcan soul, whatever you want to choose there and um, enjoy. And thanks so much to Audible for helping us bring the show to you this week. Well, Chris, we're going to be talking about today Spock Reflections, which is a four-part comic miniseries that IDW did in, in July of 2009. That's when it started. And it was uh, promoted as, as a prequel to the countdown comic that they did which was a star trek tie-in to star trek the the new jj picture and so and this was uh, spock going to be flashbacking and um thinking and contemplating on the events of his life following star trek generations and i thought it would be interesting to talk about this because yeah it actually takes place all in the Prime Universe and doesn't have anything to do with one countdown. It doesn't reference any of that material. And it also uh, doesn't reference anything in, in the JJ Universe. Um, and so it actually mm-hmm. is a, it's a really good look at just the idea of Spock dealing with the death of Kirk and just yeah. the toll that it takes on him. So just kind of first impressions, Chris, what did you think? My very first impression was that the artwork is beautiful because on yes. the first few pages yes. that you get here when you've got this Orion ship 
flying and they're passing through this nebula. And then you've got this weird looking alien, but he's he's standing against the, the glass and you see his reflection. All the, the coloring is just absolutely beautiful. But as for the story, you know, it is a pretty simple story, even though it's four issues. It's It's basically just summing up Spock's journey from when he first meets Kirk and Kirk's jabbing him about being, you know, too logical and mechanical. And then who Spock is. This is the connection, though, I think, for the Abrams verse, is who Spock is in the cave when he talks to Chris Pine's Kirk. And you can tell that that's the point where he's progressed even far beyond the Spock that we see in the Undiscovered Country, which I, I really like. And I always point out the discussion that he has with Valeris there. You know, the Spock in the cave in the 2009 film is much, much wiser still and is much better at balancing the logic and the emotion and looking back at his life, you know, and what the pe people meant to him. And that's pretty much what this entire comic leads us to, uh, not to that scene, but to that Spock. Yeah, Chris, I, I think it is really interesting when you think about this this comic and what it's doing for Spock and kind of giving you a picture of a guy who in this comic is coming back from Romulus. He's He's gotten a message from Picard that's telling him that, mm -hmm. you know, Kirk has has come back even though they thought he was dead and then died again, but this time for real, um, <laughs> which well, talk about the talk about being the bearer of bad news uh, as Picard. <laughs> I hope that I, I was going to say a piece of paper, but of course it was a dig digital transmission. I hope it all fit onto one pad because if you needed two pads for it, you get to the bottom of the first one and it's like, oh, Jim's alive, he's back. And then you pull the other, oh, no, he's dead. Yeah. It's like kind of cruel of Picard that way, wasn't it? <laughs> exactly. He's dead, Jim. Um, he's dead, <laughs> Spock. Uh, exactly. It would have been It would have been terrible. Um, so I, it really does, I think, give us a picture of you know, who Spock is as a character internally. And I think that's really what this whole comic is trying to do. What is it that kind of yeah. drives this character internally? What has created this character from somebody who um, we've seen for so many years? Uh, and, and what I thought was most interesting, Chris, is, is that he's coming back from Romulus. He's been working on his unification project for, for years now. And you realize that, you know, Spock, having spent so much time with humans, I think has probably given him all the tools that he needs to be very effective with dealing with Romulans because Romulans are much yeah, more like humans in point. general. And yeah. and so, mm. um, in fact, at the very end of the comic, I really felt like, okay, where they had brought me with Spock was helping me see why he might be successful in the future as to yeah. bringing you know, Romulans and Vulcans back together. So this is sort of a variation on the ancient Vulcan proverb, only Nixon could go to China, only Spock could go to Romulus. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you could that could be a uh, a new proverb for Star Trek. And so, um, yeah, it's a it's a really it is a beautiful comic though. You, you open that this first page up, and it's fantastic. And mm -hmm. we get Spock, and he's traveling back, 
and he is riding with I think maybe the most annoying Sauron Saurian <laughs> ever yeah. um who just keeps pestering him with questions which to which Spock barely answers throughout this whole comic which I think is really funny um well what's funny is that so they're they're in this big I started to say it's a cargo bay, but it actually does have seats lining the walls that are kind of built in the walls. But it's this really, really big space. So Spock could move anywhere. But of course, this this Saurian's going to come sit right next to him no matter where he moves, right? This guy is like the guy on the airplane that you sit next to and you just want to read a book or or sleep or something. And you've got that person next to you who just wants to chat, even though they don't know you. They want to chat for like the whole five, six hours of the flight, right? Exactly. Um, which I, I think it's interesting, you know, he keeps asking him questions and and it is kind of uh interesting because they, they use it for the impetus of a Spock to kind of daydream. Right. Um yeah, yeah. And, and kind of get to a different place. And so the first daydream he kind of drifts into is transporting to the Enterprise B and meeting Captain Harriman. Yeah. Um Well, I wanted to ask you about this one because, you know, we talk about Harriman fairly often, and I know that you you like Harriman better, I think, than most Star Trek fans I know. When I got here, I, and maybe it's because we did those Captain's comics a while back, and we did the Harriman comic, I feel like we've talked quite a bit about Harriman. And then when I got to this, I thought, oh, they're, they're going to do the Harriman thing over again. You know, the Harriman, oh, I suck. I lost Captain Kirk thing that Harriman does. But what did you think about it here in this story? You know, um, I, I thought that we have seen it a little bit before, um, yeah. but I also thought that um, he is not quite, um, he's not quite as as bad as we've seen him before. Um, I, I feel mm-hmm. like he, he's he's somebody who's still thinking about what's happened to him. He's still kind of contemplating what's happened to him, but I felt like he's a little bit more confident than he is in some of the other places we've seen him. Um, I mean, he, mm-hmm. he obviously, you know, I, I think he's thinking to himself and, and, and he see, he says this, you know, uh, it, there's, it, it's, it's kind of a hard thing to live down the reputation of your first time out on your ship and you lose, you know, uh, somebody like James T. Kirk off your ship. Um, yeah. and, uh, it's kind of hard to live that down and, and, um, but I think it's, it's interesting to see him in this, this comic talking to Spock and, and the conversations they have about, um, that Spock reminds him, you know, you did save 47 people and it wasn't just Kirk doing that. It was you too. And the idea that I really liked the the last part here where he just, repeats what Kurt told him about, you know, you know, the risk is part of the game. You want to sit in that chair and, and how he feels like he learned so much from Kirk just in the few, you know, maybe yeah. his hour that they probably spend together. You know, he makes the comment here to Spock and he says, what your friend must have thought of me, his replacement, captain of the Enterprise. And of course, Spock consoles him and says, I am confident that Captain Bohr, you know, you will but when you watch Generations and you see Kirk on the bridge, don't you get the impression that Kirk is looking at him and thinking like, this goofball is the captain of the Enterprise? You know, I get the feeling like, uh, you know, Kirk is 
he's just so used to being in charge, you know, yeah. and he knows what to do. And he has, I mean, even though it's only Scotty and Chekhov with him, you know, he, they, they have this shorthand, you know, that, that Harriman and his crew don't have yet. So when I think about it that way, I think this is a new captain with a new crew and a brand new ship where half the things aren't delivered till Tuesday. None of that's his fault. You know, Kirk has everything on him. You know, he has 30 years of experience and two people he's worked with for most of them. And so, of course, he's at a disadvantage. Um, And and that's the way we're supposed to see him in the movie. Um, So, I again, I never held anything against Harriman. It's not his fault. It's like Han yeah. Solo in, in, in The Empire Strikes Back where he's like, it's not my fault. They told me they fixed it. I trusted them to fix right. it. You know, so That's right. uh, it, it, it's the well, same thing. You mentioned Chekhov and Scotty being there with Kirk and, and no one else is there. One thing this comic does address is why wasn't Spock there? You know, uh, Harriman says, we missed having you at the christening. And then we find out, well, you know, Spock was off doing his thing and and that's why he wasn't there. So just a tiny little nod, like, okay, yeah, no, it wasn't a contract thing or anything like that. Spock was really busy. Well, and and uh, it, it makes sense to me that, yeah, you know, there was a reason that Spock couldn't be there. It's, it's fine. You know, he's got other yeah. things to do. Sure. Now, as we move on through here, I really, really want to have... Spock's house on Vulcan. Is this not the the coolest house you've ever seen? It looks like a, it's not even, it's it's like 10 times bigger than any house that I've ever had. It is really cool. Um, It uh, also reminds me a little bit uh, of the architecture you see uh, to Paul's house when they go home and Uh home. Um, It has some of the same looks to it. Um, I, I feel like they drew some of the artwork uh, and the design of the house a little bit from that. So I thought that was really yeah, neat. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love this, this little piece uh, here of him dreaming about, you know, him being at home. And, you know, I, I love what Amanda says to, to Sarek. Uh, you know, nobody knows what it's like to be Spock except for him. You don't know what it's like. I don't know what it's like, um, you know, because Spock is the first child of, of uh at least that we know of in, in Star Trek, of a yeah. Vulcan and a human together. And so that he is a very unique specimen, a unique person. And this, <laughs> the argument that they have here is so awesome between Spock and Sarek. And my favorite is when Amanda goes, I will never get used to a Vulcan scolding. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's just so funny. Because it's not as, I mean, we, you know, we wouldn't take it as a scolding at all, but it just it cracks me up. I know. Sarek tells him, well, Spock tells Sarek, your decision seems illogical. Therefore, I do not feel bound to abide by it. And Sarek says, be that as it may, you will abide by it. If not, you leave me little choice but to consider courses of punishment. Take that, Spock. Ooh, you courses of punishment. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh man. Um well and 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 what I really like here is is that, you know, Spock runs away again in the middle of the night. 
And and Sarek does the whole dad thing where he's like, all right, I'm going to go get my son and it's not going to be happy. Maybe the only thing that he'll respond to is corporal punishment. And he finds Spock in the wilderness and, you know, Sarek's about to fall. Spock saves him, yeah. which I thought was really kind of nice. And they have this great moment together. And Spock just kind of confesses, which is very unvulcan like Um the struggles that he has what it means to be him and how he really a lot of times doesn't feel you know at home on Vulcan and with other Vulcans because they all look at him differently and how difficult it is is to be there and so they have this moment together and and I think Sarek kind of finally starts to understand Spock and that he's he has had a lot to deal with it's harder for him to deal with it because his emotions are probably more to the surface than most Vulcans because he's part human. Right. And, uh, well, and it highlights the, the turmoil mm-hmm. of Spock right. being torn between two worlds. And, you know, I mean, it's something I can associate with as well because I'm kind of, you know, for much of my life split between two cultures where like you don't feel like you really belong to either one of them. You're somewhere in between. And that's how Spock feels, you know, so much of the time. And this highlights it going all the way back to his childhood. One thing I did want to point out here, Matthew, is that it seemed inappropriate for the discussion that was going on. But when Sarek decides to leave and go look for Spock and he heads out the door, mm-hmm. you see the final frame on that page. It's just the door and it's, it's Amanda's. Amanda's ass. Yeah. You you've got the comic ass shot in here. Yep. It has to be in. Is is that just like a standard rule for I comics it, that you have to have that? Yeah, I think it's a standard comic IDW thing um, because we always do get a nice, uh, <laughs> I, well, a just ass shot of uh, one of the women, whether <laughs> yeah. it's uh, Starfleet officer or, or Spock's hot mom. So um, right, it's always there. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm glad we did not get one of the Saurian though. Yes, on the Orion that ship. would have been um, really disturbing. Um, yeah, I, I think that what is is really neat and nice about this comic is this idea, and we were just talking about it, um, you know, Spock giving us um, the ability to kind of think through how s- most of us can feel out of place. And a lot of times we don't feel at home at home because of things that happen in life and the things that go on. And um, and it, it's it's nice to see it portrayed this way. Uh, and give you an opportunity, maybe just for a little bit, to feel understood by a <laughs> uh, you know right. fictional character. Uh, yeah, yeah. And so I I do like this, and it does really kind of play into the this idea of that 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 understanding of his dad starts to kind of create the Spock that we're going to know later on. Um, yeah. like it's a, it's a good starting point for the comic. And, and it's like we said, this is not a big action comic. There's nothing like that. It really is kind of a, a much, very much a character piece for the character yeah. of Spock. And so I like that they start here with, with, uh, one first, the loss of Kirk the first time. And then this kind of reflection back on what it was like, the struggle it was to be human. And, you know, what's really interesting is, Spock's frustration of being half human, half Vulcan, um, and seeming like he's not fitting in actually correlates too to Harriman 
and his feelings of of being inadequate, not fitting in, um, yeah. not being the right man for the job. You know, everybody probably looking down on him. Um, so I thought that was really interesting as well. Well, we'll move into the second issue now, and they're back on the Orion ship, and you know he's being chatted up again. And then he has a flashback, and this one's pretty short, but it it goes back to the motion picture time period on the Enterprise when Spock encounters Chapel again, and now she's a doctor. And it's just that uncomfortable moment where, like, you know how Chapel feels about Spock, and it's unrequited, but... I, I think what I got from this scene, as short as it is, is that you feel that all that time Spock had some sort of feeling as well that he kept bottled up and never, ever let it out. And he still has never let it out. But here he's just kind of thinking back to how he felt internally uh, when he was around Chapel and, yeah. and that particular moment. And like maybe he he wishes he had handled this moment differently. It is interesting, and and they have this this moment, and they're talking, and he you know tells her congratulations on completing her medical degree and becoming a doctor. She says thank you. She kind of touches him on the arm, and uh, and then he kind of gives her that sideway look of of why are you touching me? I'm a Vulcan, yeah. and she says I hope you've been well. And then she walks out of the turbo lift, and as she's walking away, and she obviously can't hear you, he says I hope you've been well also. Um, yeah. And it, it is very much that idea that, that if Spock had been different, um, it, I think if he had been older, uh, you know, the older Spock from, say, you know, like the the undiscovered country or maybe even Star Trek V time period, he might have been more willing to um, ha- actually have a relationship, with, I think, with Christine. Um, he, yeah. He just had not gotten to that point yet. And so I, I do think that there's a there's a sadness in him for not being ready for somebody is, as I think he thinks back of her as she's pretty wonderful. Uh, he just, yeah. he, he, he wasn't available emotionally, which man, how many men have probably had that problem with women? Right. Well, then we move back to the Orion ship and there's some turbulences that are going through a nebula and the Saurian is going to freak out but doesn't bother Spock because he's used to being on a starship. Of course, Saurian doesn't know that at this point. And uh, then we get a flashback to pre-TOS with, he's with Captain Pike. So it's, it's the Enterprise, but it's, you know, the, what we would have seen, I guess, before the cage. I mean, you know, we don't exactly, you know, you jump from the cage into, into later when Kirk's there. So it's the time anyway, when he's on the ship, with Pike, and they've been sent on this secret mission to a facility where Starfleet is trying to develop another way for you to get around without having to scatter your atoms all over the universe. Yeah, and they are working on this very interesting, like, um, dimensional, what is it? They're working on a portal, like a subspace portal, so that you would be able to... um, Move. Well, it's like creating wormholes, yeah. yeah. Stable, little stable wormholes, right? Which obviously we know is is quite difficult unless you're a prophet, and so yeah, they, or an Iconian, exactly. Um, yes. And so they are they are creating this, and Spock is telling Pike how dangerous he thinks this is, and 
um, is, is quite worried about it, actually. And then something goes wrong as they are demonstrating no. this. Yeah. It's something just, went wrong? I know. Shocking. I cannot uh, imagine that happening. So something's going wrong, and all of a sudden Spock disappears because a portal uh, appears under him, and he falls into it. And lo and behold, which this is just kind of awesome, but Pike just jumps right into the hole right yeah. after him as if, like, it's the most normal thing in the world to do. So yeah. way to go, Captain Pike. And then they end up on this, they're either on a volcano or they're on a mountain near a volcano. There's all this lava going on on the ground. There is a volcano erupting uh, nearby and Spock's about to fall off. And then Pike comes through the hole and helps him up. And it just echoes what happened to Spock as a child where Pike is where he was and Spock is now where his father was and he pulls him up. Yes, definitely, and and um, they have a great little discussion there just about, you know, thank you, and, um, <laughs> and then uh, they talk about the fact that this probably wasn't the uh, the wisest idea for um, for Pike to do, to, to jump through and try and save him. And You know, what was weird to me right here, though, is I started wondering, like, do these portals... Do they somehow take you through time as well? Because the way that the comic is illustrated, the the hole opened in the sky. So they, they actually like fell out of the hole, which good job on the landing, Pike, you know, to, to land there and not injure your legs or anything like that. But they're watching this portal close and then it goes pop. And then they're like, well, that's just great. And Pike says, the Enterprise will help us find a way out of here here and then they walk down the hill and there's uh the galileo shuttlecraft is sitting down there it's like did did the enterprise know that's where they were gonna be how far did they travel i don't know it, it felt like it felt like the enterprise knew where to find them even before they called them yeah that's a good point they don't actually address it all in the comic it's just kind of a strange moment um and you do i think it's a jump in time like Mm -hmm. they called the enterprise and some time passed and then they walked down the hill but the way it's done in the illustration it just feels like it's happening right there on the spot yeah yeah it's it does feel like that there's been some sort of time shifting going on um which is yeah it's not it's not terrible but uh i just i think it was really interesting you know, um, seeing the lesson that, you know, for for Spock, who he became, it, it didn't just something, it wasn't just something he learned from right from Kirk. Well, because after this, when they get back up to the Enterprise and they have a meeting and staff Spock meeting. Is, yes, <laughs> they have a staff meeting. And apparently they've had an upgrade to the viewer screen at the table here because that's like a massive jumbo TV compared to what they usually exactly. have. Exactly, exactly. But but anyway, Spock is telling Pike, you know, thank you for saving my life. And, you know, I, I owe you one. Pike says, just do your job. Well, that's all the repayment I need. But yeah, it's a learning moment for Spock, right? This is yet another moment where he's starting to learn how humans view a loyalty to friends. And, and, and even the, well, it, just how they express their, their love for a friend. Yeah, which is something I, Vulcans just don't get. Exactly, right? and I, I think it was—it's just really interesting because Spock is still very much struggling with uh, that whole idea of of 
being a a Vulcan and being a human and not understanding how to combine those two things and 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 being raised Vulcan, so feeling like that's the only part of him that's I guess legitimate in some way, um, which is very interesting. Uh, you know, he always feels like at least we see him feel like that it's the Vulcan side of him that has to be dominant, which is always a little strange to me that like why that has to be the case. Um, and yet that's just how he's chosen to be. And, and yet, well, I, I think that when you're growing up on Vulcan, that's how it is. Like whatever culture you find yourself in, the, the, the traits that you have are that are of that culture need to be the dominant ones for you to actually blend into the society but once you leave then that's different and since spock left vulcan once he's out once he's in starfleet once he's with humans on the enterprise uh yeah i think he should have been more willing to let those things out yeah to let the human side of himself out yeah exactly well and it's 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 a it's an interesting thing because you see the same thing play out with paul too in Enterprise and how she hangs out with humans all the time and um, yeah. for so long and, and, and it really does begin to change her. So we, we get um, a little bit more with the, the Saurian and they're hanging out some more and uh, he asks Spock why he's coming back and he had received some disturbing news, he said, and, and then we get the scene of Spock on Romulus being delivered the news from Picard yeah. that something has happened and then to be continued for uh, issue three. And they finally get to the star base where yeah. Spock can, can grab his next transport, which I think is interesting because it's just the star base from the JJ verse. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. That, that's sort of the one connection that you can see here with the Abrams verse. And this is sort of a, a tie into that. As a, as a prequel to Countdown, is that yeah? I mean, this is full on ringed Death Star. I don't know what this thing is. Star base that they have in the JJ. Yep, this Abrams is verse. a deep space station E five. So uh, it's midpoint between Sector zero zero one and the Romulan neutral zone. So yeah, uh, what do you think about this Abrams first? This, this is the thing that I think as a as a space dock design this makes more sense than what we have in the prime universe where you would actually have all these rings uh, protruding out from a central core so that more ships could dock but i'm so used to the star base that we see in the in the tos movies that uh that's just what i like because i mean think how Think how much drama would be missing from Kirk stilling the Enterprise and the search for Spock if instead of having to open the garage doors and sneak out, all they had to do is just pull away from a, a docking ring here. Yeah, it's it's very true. Um, there's something about that design that's really – it's aesthetically beautiful. I mean it it, yeah. it just fits really well within the, the TOS movie era. It looks really good. Um, it's obviously ginormous because it's big enough to fit, uh, um, you know, Excelsior class, uh, you know, uh, constitution class starships and yeah, eventually the enterprise D in 
So they had to I, widen those doors a little bit. I think. yeah, I think they did because a big old Bertha was having trouble getting through there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, yeah. Now the difference here is is that space dock orbits Earth. This space yeah. uh, station is in the middle of freaking nowhere. So yes, it, it but... makes a little more sense. Yes, but in the JJ movies, the same design is orbiting Earth. Yes, yes, it is. So um, it doesn't make a lot of sense to why it's here, <laughs> other than it's a connection with uh, the JJ movies. And so, uh, they but need a nice big thing... flashing sign up on top, you know, like a diner, like oh, a truck yeah. stop. It says like yeah. Al's Diner or something on top. Yeah. You know? Alf's Diner. Yeah. yeah. Get your burgers here. Your cat burgers. Uh, I love that. There's a there's an Andorian on this page too. Just random Andorian. Yeah. So it's it's important. Who's a captain apparently? So Spock gets his transport, and before he gets the transport, though, he has a flashback to uh, being back on Vulcan between the end of the original series and before the motion picture, where he's come home to Vulcan to complete the Colonar training, and he runs into T'Pring. His ex-wife, you could call her. Well, I mean, ex, like ex something. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what yeah. they call him, in, but I mean, it's an ex. It's it's not just a. It, I mean, it's more than an ex-girlfriend, but it's less than an ex-wife. So I don't know what you would call that. Yeah. Well, anyway, she's here, and uh, boy, she's really got her hair working in this. This uh, time, this is later on after a mock time somewhere down the road. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't know if Spock's not thinking, man, I maybe I chose wrong. I chose yeah. poorly because she's looking fine in this oh, comic. Yeah. Uh, she looks very good. Um, but uh, yeah, he, they have a whole conversation. I, I, like, I like when he asks her, and how is Stan? And she says, Stan is Stan. He is no better. That's or all worse she can say about it. <laughs> and I had anticipated uh, he would be when I chose him. <laughs> like yeah. classic Vulcan answer. That's so yeah. much passion there. Um, He's done. Exactly. Um, He's but stonerific. I <laughs> <laughs> He's such a stoner. What <laughs> 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 I think is great though is that they they have this great conversation. Um, and she tells him, she goes, she says, you know, I know you and and you're not going to find peace yeah. here. You, you need to be out doing something that this is, that's who you are. You're, you're not of Vulcan the way that, that ba basically I think she's saying you're not Stan. You're, you're not going to stay here. You're not going to be Vulcan. You're, you're going to go and you're going to be who you are. And that isn't here on uh, on this planet, it, and it's not really with the Kolinar, um, yeah. purging of emotions. The other thing I get from it is that Spock, he's he wants to deny who he really is, though, at this point in time, because she tells him, like you said, you will find no peace here, but you go out, and she says, whatever is out there that has driven you back to Vulcan, you should make your peace with it and return and she tells him that you'll leave the same way you left me but i think spot keeps coming back to it like he he he's not at home on vulcan and he's something more he's a combination between these two cultures but he keeps coming back to vulcan because he's determined he refuses to let the human side out 
mm-hmm. and he keeps thinking like I can suppress this and I can be fully focused. Maybe it's because he wants his father's approval. He wants Sarek's approval, and but he keeps coming back, and and Pring's just telling him like you got to quit doing this. You know, stop coming back here. This is not where you belong. Yeah, it uh, exactly. Um, so. He finds his transport, and um, you know, he tells the guy where they're going to go. It's Viridian. The guy says that's that's fine, and you know it's not a uh, you know a dangerous place to be. And they get to the bridge of his little ship, and he begins to have a flashback um, to the Enterprise with Kirk and the rest of the gang. Yeah. Now his little ship, by the way, is, a is an unmarked Federation runabout. Exactly. Um, and and so we get to this flashback where Kirk and the crew are trying to save members of a Starfleet crew on another ship that's having some serious technical difficulties um, yeah. <laughs> and is basically about to blow up at any moment. And the admiral on the ship uh, is is refusing to leave. And Bones and and, and, and Spock are basically like, we need to get out of here. Um, if she's going to go on the ship, that's, that's her business basically. And, and Kirk's like, no, that is not how it's going to be. We're, we're going to go over there and save her. In fact, I'm going to go over there and save her. Yeah. <laughs> Classic now, Kirk. When you see this Admiral on the screen here and, and Kirk says, oh, oh, I know her. I know Patricia Carlson. She's stubborn. She'll go down with that ship. But then when they show her on the view screen, were you thinking at first that like some disease had struck the ship and this was like the deadly years again? Because we don't know what she normally looks like. And she looks so old and and worn down right here. And then she says, what the hell? And of course, what the hell is referring to the fact that she's being held by Kirk. But I was thinking like, what the hell? She's looking in a mirror. I'm old. Yeah, I I did think that that was really <laughs> funny. It's it's a kind of a strange like viewing of these three panels that come down yeah. and you finally get to her going, "What the hell?" Um and then you but, realize, "Oh no, that's what she always looks like." Right. Okay, there's um, no disease on the ship. But I did think that this was great. You know, she she talks about this idea of of um, you know, that she had sent crew after crew basically to try and fix it and they kept dying and 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 she uh you know feels responsible in in such a huge way and, yeah. and also feels like she doesn't deserve basically to be rescued and and Kirk is able to to talk her into coming with them Do you feel do you feel like that's a difference between her as a TOS era admiral and a TNG era badmiral because don't you think a badmiral would try to put the blame on someone else and hop into an escape pod and get away yeah uh yeah a badmiral would kind of give you the middle finger and run to this Uh nearest escape pod uh while making sure that they had neatly packed all of their belt buckles (laughs) yes so (laughs) yeah that's exactly (laughs) what would have happened um So yeah, this is great. I love um, you know uh, Spock getting to see that this is this is again how Kirk treats people that he knows that he respects yeah. um, that are valuable to him, and um, the idea that of uh, the classic TOS moment of Kirk and and Bones kind of 
you know, ribbing Spock for, you yeah. know, oh, I'm sorry, Spock, were you caring about us? And, and of course, yeah. Bones getting, yeah, right. you know, you can't have I, a heart attack if you don't have a heart. I think what's important here for the comic, that the point of the comic is the comment that Spock makes to Kirk, though, which is that you risked much for her, Captain, because that is that other moment of realization, right? Like like you were just saying, this is how Kirk handles things. But, but just Spock making that statement to him, you can feel like the pieces are slowly coming together in his head, right? Well, and, and that idea, I think, is going to play out, obviously, in The Wrath of Khan for yeah. Spock. Um, because he, he sees Kirk continually, even though Kirk cheats death all the time, Kirk is always putting himself on the line for others. I mean, and, right. and he is he is willingly putting himself in the line of fire to save others. He just is able to get out of it all, all the time. You know, it's a good point about the Wrath of Khan because we, we talk often how the comics and the books, but like Khan ruling in hell, we talked about this, where the comic can really fill in blanks that, make the movie mean more to you when you watch it, even though you've seen it, you know, 20, 30, 50, 100 times. That's a good point here. That that does lead to that scene in The Wrath of Khan where you wonder why Spock just stands up and goes and does that. But yeah, it's like a gradual process. Definitely. Um, and, and so uh, then we get to the scene where, where Spock beams down to Verdian 3 uh, and the letter... Uh, is is kind of be replaying in his mind that he got yeah. from Picard, and uh, it it's a you know it's a sad moment. Uh, God, we could go into a whole hour. I could complain about how dumb Generations is yeah. and Kirk dying, <laughs> but um, the fact that he he does die. Yeah, and and if there's only if there's a one redeeming thing about Generations, I think was getting the character of Kirk. Like they understood the character, like the, the, this guy would, of course he would do anything for the captain of the enterprise who needed help. Uh, of yeah. course he would, who he would risk his life to save millions of people. He doesn't know because that's what Kirk did every day. That's who he was. Um, right. And um, I think that really plays out in this comic too, of, of, of Spock standing there and, and thinking about who he is, been reflecting this whole time about who he is and just um, the kind of man that he is. Uh, he's risking his life to try and unify Vulcans and and um, Romulans together. It's dangerous, um, and yet it's something that he really believes in, he knows is important, um, yeah. and how much they could learn from each other. And, yeah, he's willing to put himself in the line of fire for what he believes mm -hmm. in. So I, I think that that's really cool. Definitely. So we move into the, the final issue here. And um, what I think is cool that you realize when you get further into the, the fourth issue is you realize you you learn more of what Spock did after that final panel of issue three where it says to be continued. And we see him up there, you know, overlooking the valley uh, up there where Picard buried Kirk. Then in issue four, we find out, you know, kind of what went on after that and what Spock's mission here is yeah um so so we get back to the ship that the 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 um captain unmarked of the ship, federation runabout exactly yeah. the unmarked federation runabout um 
the, the captain asks uh, him, you know, why are you doing this? It seems strangely sentimental for a Vulcan. Yeah. And, and, you know, for, of course, honestly, it is. It, it, it's Kirk. It's Spock. Um, and he begins to think about um, the TOS movie era, uh, one of my favorite eras. Uh, and yeah. they are doing the uh, Kobayashi Maru test, I yeah. guess, here yeah they um, are this is before yeah, wrath of yep, you're right you're right yeah. uh they are doing the test and and so um and savik you know messes it up again and she walks out and she gets on the turbo lift and one of the crew members yells at her for um doing everything wrong and the fact well, that she her solution could have killed yeah what is it uh let's see seven crew members dead in engineering those were his buddies that's why he's upset 123 crew members irradiated and 14 other casualties. I mean, I guess if you're not all dead, though, not bad. Yeah. You know, it's the Kobayashi Maru. That seems like a pretty good... If it's a no-win scenario, that's that's not a bad deal. Right. You know? Well, I'm concerned here now. Seven crew members dead, 123 crew members irradiated, 14 other casualties... It does. They've separated that out from the crew members. Are those like the cleaning people in the hallways outside of the uh, simulator room, or you know, pets, what's going on there? You know, pets. pets? Yeah. Okay. Pets. Uh, yeah. You know, um, Archer had a dog, so other people have dogs or cats or whatever. So that's probably right. what it was. Uh, right. So she goes to talk to Spock, and and um, and he explains to her this idea that that you know for humans things are about. Um, feeling it, it really isn't about logic uh, for for so much of the time and um, she, her not really un- understanding they're getting that and him kind of explaining to her slowly this is how it's going to be and it reminds me of the conversation he has with Valeris a little bit um, yeah it does and, and kind of the the genesis of that is here and so they're going on their inspection tour uh, the Enterprise before Kirk gets there to make sure everything's in shape. And then there is a very random uh, explosion <laughs> there in, in engineering, which it seems strange to me. I would be really concerned if the ship is there in space dock and they're just getting it ready to go on another mission and this happened. Yeah. <laughs> like, who who dropped the ball here? Exactly. So there's an explosion and... Uh, Scotty's telling everybody to get out and and um, that uh, you know not to, to to get away. And so some crew members, you know, they have that big huge door that comes down. Yeah, the one they do barrel rolls underneath. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Uh, so in TOS, they have that huge door that comes down, and uh, Spock is calling for transporter, and uh, Scotty's little nephew Peter goes in and saves these guys before the door comes down and gets them out. And and Scotty told him not to go, though. Exactly. That's important to exactly. what Spock learns here, what Savick learns anyway. And so as they're sitting in the medical bay, and Savick asks him, I don't understand. Why is Scotty proud of his nephew now? That he, I mean, he saved the, the people. That's great, but he disobeyed an order. I don't, I don't understand. And he says, you know, uh, self-sacrifice and loyalty to one's friends are not always logical. And yeah. um, I, I think it's it's 
that idea that Spock says to her too, that this is a path, you know, yours is going to be similar to mine. And it's a lifelong journey of trying to understand what this means to, to be with humans and to deal with humans and, and kind of, I think in a lot of ways, Spock coming to embrace his human side. Um, oh yeah. And, and, and appreciate yeah. what comes from it. Um, and then we get to the end, and I think it's really beautiful. The whole thing is is that Spock has brought Kirk's body back to be buried right. on yeah. Earth. And yeah. uh very simple uh, epitaph of Captain Diplomat Explorer on his uh, tombstone. And yeah. uh, then uh, he has a brief conversation with uh, Picard, who shows up, which was nice that they have a a nice conversation and and so i think in the end you know for me this is this is a great comic it ends with with spock being back on romulus and yeah. uh, a little kid running up and saying he just finished the readings of Sirach and uh he says i'm sure you have a lot of questions then yeah what i like about this comic though is 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 really getting to see spock's reaction to the death of his friend um, and I, I also just kind of getting a picture of what it was like for Spock to learn to be more human in the end. And, and, and uh, you know, we have a lot of Spock in the original series and then in the movies. Um, but kind of picking out some things to really pinpoint that I thought really worked because Whereas that growth happens, there aren't a lot of things that you can like point to in say the series or whatever where Spock learns that, especially in TOS. Right. It's not really that kind of show. And then of course in the movies, you know, they're moving Spock forward, but that really has less to do with with, you know, a story through line than them kind of making the decision we're gonna do this with Spock. You know, we're gonna have a right. self sacrifice and everything. Uh, so I thought this was a great way of of giving you the the opportunity to see just the impact that all of these different characters have had on him and and making him um, more human. Somebody who could say, "You have been and always shall be my friend." Yeah, I like that they chose moments to fill in those blanks. Like the the only one that looks really familiar to us is the one with Savak and the Kobayashi Maru, but it's not the scene from the movie. It's one of her other attempts to, to pass the test. But then the other ones, you know, they're, they're giving us the flashback to his childhood, which is a new thing. They're following up Amok time when he's with Tapreen. They're giving us that moment with Pike, something that we've never heard of before. And there, even the encounter with Chapel, you know, that was, it's a familiar setting, TMP, but it's a new moment. So I, I like that it wasn't a recap of like, these are Spock's greatest hits. These are the moments that that made him who he is, but it actually supplements everything that we saw. And therefore, next time you watch something with Spock starting from, well, really the motion picture, but the Wrath of Khan forward, it gives you an it makes you, the view that you have of him and what's going on in the screen deeper. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it, it's it's a great it's a great story, and and I think you know Spock is a character that has a lot going on and and can definitely be explored more like this. And and it 
as a comic for the prequel of the countdown series to the jj movie to where we get that spock um i think that spock is really that full culmination of everything that he's ever learned and ever been right and if if they did anything really really right honestly in the jj film was i think the writing of leonard nimoy's spock i I feel like they nailed it and 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 then of course you know nimoy playing him just just crushed it um and and so I, i think that all of that came off really well and and this was a great um you know just kind of icing on a cake of of really getting to look at this character so i I highly recommend it i think it's really worth reading um i I think it's got some amazing artwork in it too that really beautiful and it is it is nice to have a comic that is a little bit more thought-provoking and just kind of makes you sit back and think about a character than you know just a bunch of crazy action all the time yeah yeah speaking of the artwork if you grab this, get the omnibus version that IDW has for, uh, I have it on iPad. I'm sure you can get it for other things, but the omnibus version in the back, they have an art gallery and they have all the cover art, you know, without any of the text on it or anything. Um, it's, uh, really, really nice. You know, they've gotten, kind kind of gotten the habit in the digital ones now of only giving you one cover. They used to give you all the different covers at the yep. front. Now they give you like just one, but, uh, this has all of the different covers, artwork only in the back. So really, really nice. All right, Matthew. Well, I'm glad we talked about this today. I'm looking forward to going back and watching uh, the Wrath of Khan, especially, and and just kind of seeing that growth again. But it's not the only thing we've been talking about on the network this week. So here are some other things you may have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.FM, Standard Orbit. Hal Sutherland and the Animated Series. I don't like the animated series. It's not good. <laughs> However... See, that's the kind of stuff that makes me forget about it. <laughs> Would you rather me watch Deep Space Nine or the animated series? Okay, but now that you're we done... We made that with, choice. Now that you're done with Deep Space Nine, you can move on to the animated series. Earl Grey. TNG Reboot. I have a, a lot of problems with this this concept of let's just do the next next generation. I don't think it's possible. To me, a big part of... Star Trek is like this aspect of exploration and finding out the unknown and going out places we've never been. The Ready Room. The Liar. He's basically becoming a good Federation citizen, and that's causing a huge amount of conflict. And maybe even before he was here, that's what got him here, is that his inner ideals made him a bad Cardassian. The Orb. As we dax. Which to me, she really seems like, you know, that boy or girl now who's gotten out of college is living at home again and not really sure what they want to do with their life because nothing's turning out the way they thought it was going to. Which is funny because her character is actually more relevant now than it was then. To the journey! Voyager Season 3 Marathon. Being a child of the 90s and I hadn't watched this in a while, I realized, oh my gosh, how things had changed and how things hadn't changed. Rain Robinson's gigantic, enormous cell phone with the huge antenna and her hippie van, the lava lamp. I mean, I just loved it all. Uh, It was very groovy. Warp 5. Enterprise Season 5. Well, they they could find, I mean, more excitement in the decon chamber with this whole trip Shrantipole love triangle thing for sure. Yeah, an Endorian fight scene in the decon chamber. Think about it. wow. Commentary, Trek stars. Robert Hewitt, Wolf, Andromeda. I suppose the easiest way to describe them would be a bat, who lead living hosts for their young. They're kind of like, kind of like, uh, 
I'm going to say xenomorphs in Alien, even though Max would kill me for saying that. Yes, and I dare say he will when he listens. Literary Treks. Protectors with Kirsten Liner. Again, it's just you look at realistically, as realistically as you possibly can, you know, coming that close to death, being in the continuum, I mean, what's that going to do to someone? And I struggled for a long time figuring out how to have her, again, realistically work through all of those things. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out all of these shows and get your daily Trek Talk fix. We have new Trek Talk for you every day of the week. And some days we even have two shows for you. And you'll find them in a wide variety of places, including on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Windows Phone, Xbox Zoom, or you can download or stream from the website. So go grab some shows and find out what we're talking about in your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe. If you'd like to share your thoughts on Spock or Spock Reflections, or if you'd like to judge a book by its cover and let us know what you think about the new Titan artwork, you can do that by going to our website at trek.afilm contact. There's a form there. Choose to send to a show and choose Literary Treks, and that will come to us by email. And you can also send us a voicemail through the website, or you can go to our forums at trek.afilm forums to talk to us and other listeners. And then in social media, you'll find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash trekafilm, and on Twitter, where we're always tweeting away about Star Trek under username trekafilm. Now, Matthew, when you're not having flashbacks to the greatest moments of your own life, where can people find you? Well, Chris, uh, you can find me at MattRushing02. That's my Twitter account there. And uh, tweeting about all sorts of different things like, uh, oh, gosh, Star Trek, anything else that you can think of. You know, I did go to a convention recently and meet, uh, well, just kind of the love of my life. Uh, So, you know, that was a big deal. Um and uh yeah so anything like that uh also you can find me doing the orb with you about uh deep space nine we talk about that the whole time on the show and uh, i think this week as we proved we can talk about anything in deep space nine for quite a long time because we talked about runabouts um (laughs) yes if you (laughs) you want to hear more about this aliens unmarked federation runabout go listen to the orb because um, well, when this show drops, it'll you'll still need to wait till Wednesday for that episode of the Orb to come out. But yeah, we really went in depth into that unmarked Federation yeah. runabout. Yeah, it, it bothered comic. us. What can we say <laughs> that that somebody could just get an unmarked Federation runabout? I right. uh, probably got it through. Uh, we'll a tell you where you can get your own dealer. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway. Um, and then uh, you can check me out on my own personal blog at forty two lifeinbetween.wordpress.com. Now, Chris, when you are not trying to get away from annoying Saurian people who are bothering you on your commute through Tokyo, where can we find you? Well, you know, I've learned to put up with them because the Saurians, they make some of the best brandy you're going to find anywhere. That is very true. They really do. Yeah, so they're, they're good to drink with, but... When, when I'm not doing that, you can find me on Twitter. My username is C, Brian Jones. That's the letter C and Brian with a Y. You can find me pretty much everywhere in social media under that same username, as well as on my personal website at cbrianjones.com. And then elsewhere on the network, besides doing the orb with Matthew, you can find me on the Ready Room, joined by hosts from all over the network every week and special guests. And we talk about Star Trek news and all five live action Star Trek series. Matthew, the, the latest episode of the Ready Room that Shar and I did last week we have a whole Spock thing in there too. Spock riding a unicorn, which is yes. a, a real painting. Yes, yeah. you do. Um, it worried me 
that, that somebody had <laughs> created this painting. Yes. Uh, oh. And so, yes, I, it, I, I, I listened to the show and I was quite disturbed. What worried me more isn't that someone created this painting. It's that it was commissioned by Men's Health magazine. What is going on at that magazine? I don't know what that's about. So we'll find out. But uh, you can find me on there. And then you can also find me on Warp 5, where we talk exclusively about Enterprise. And I have my own interview show as well called Matterstream. So uh, check out all of those and find out what we're talking about. Before we let you go, we'd also like to ask you to please support our sponsor for this week's show. And that's Audible.com. Audible helps us bring literary treks to you every week. And as a Trek and Film listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice, as we talked about during news. You can get the Vulcan Soul trilogy, whatever you want to get. Uh, go pick it up. Just try Audible for 30 days. If you decide not to stick with it at the end of the trial, you get to keep that audiobook. So there's nothing to lose. And you can get that by going to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up. And we really thank Audible for supporting the show. And of course, thank you for supporting Audible getting some great audiobooks in the process. Also, if you'd like to help us keep the show coming to you, there's another thing that you can do, and that is make a donation to the network. These shows are free for you guys to download, of course, but they're not free for us to produce or distribute. And uh, you can help out by going to trek.fm slash donate. We have different levels of contributions for you to choose from. And also, as a thank you, we have original alien illustrations by Tobu Ushi, who does most of the artwork that you see on the website. You can mix and match if you want those as badges or as art prints. And uh, just let us know which aliens you like. Again, that's trek.fm slash donate. And we really thank you for helping us keep the network going. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And until next time, live long and read on. What do you call that light reading? To each his own, number one. <laughs>